Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertilizer, plant feed, and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate, and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society, and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertilizer can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertilizer on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the natural grower products this year and have seen amazing results, and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire natural grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs, and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers. We hope that this podcast will inspire you to either start growing your own food or to help develop your existing food growing empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And I'm Andy from Urban Herbs. And in this episode of the Food Grower Podcast, Myself and Andy are going to be speaking all things farmers markets as people are looking for different ways to uh, sell their produce and especially planning their next year. We thought it was the right time to speak a little bit about farmers markets, but from all points of view, aren't we, Andy? Yeah, and Chris, to be honest, this is a podcast that I'm absolutely buzzing to do because I bloody love farmers markets. I love visiting them. I love trading at them. And to be honest, running Urban Herbs, they've been a big part of my life over the last decade. So, yeah, really looking forward to getting our teeth stuck into some artisan produce and talking (laughs) all things farmer's market. I should probably just fire a question back at you because I don't actually know the answer to this. Have you ever traded at a farmer's market or attended a farmer's market as a visitor or yeah, both. So, I mean, I love buy- buying from farmers markets. Absolutely. Um, not recently, but we started our journey by um, sort of urban farming, a bit of renting bits of land. And that's that's the only places we sold our produce when we first started. So uh, table up, banners up, little iPad showing uh, how it was grown and uh, stack it high and watch it fly is the motto, but not necessarily what happened with <laughs> some of them. Um, but yeah, I, and and I really loved the fact that you got, well, like you said, you get a buzz from it and you got direct feedback. And that's actually what pushed us into doing what we do now with a bigger market garden because we would go on holiday and people would come back and be like, where were you last week? I needed my salad. And I was like, oh, hang on. People are actually passionate in these places. They've come here because they love food. That's one of the things that I used to hear day in, day, you know, the regular um, market people. Mm. 
you know, they'd, they'd say, where were you last week? And you feel so guilty for missing <laughs> yeah. a month or missing a week. Yeah. The, the other one that always used to get me is when people would say, oh, you're in a new place. I couldn't find you. <laughs> and, you know, you've moved about maybe 16 feet, like two yeah. stool lengths. Um, but it, it is what it is. And do you know something? I'm just so passionate about them because, I mean, just to warn you guys, this could turn into basically just a love letter to farmers markets because <laughs> when they're good, they are so good. Um, mm. Chris, as you alluded to, they're not always, are they? We've no. had some character building days, you know? <laughs> when, they're, when they're good, they're really good. And when they're bad, they tend to be really bad. I've never had a mediocre day. Um, but you started Urban Hubs with this almost as a part of the business model or, or, or almost exclusively, didn't you? Absolutely. And when I first started, for anybody that doesn't know my story, uh, basically I started growing and selling plants just as a very short-term short-term thing just to pay off my tuition fees basically it was only ever going to last 18 months and that <laughs> was 12 years ago now yeah but yeah essentially we costed it so that we were going to do a few street markets and uh, small producers markets but we found very quickly that actually we were much more at home on farmers markets than on street markets mm. and I'm just wondering at this stage in the podcast whether or not perhaps it would be a good idea to provide some definitions for <laughs> uh, you know for what we're talking about here because I'm aware that people will be listening all around the world and you know if we flesh these out because here in the UK we do have quite a I would say like a strong market culture market mm. heritage that local village markets town markets they are very very traditional so I, I guess, and please feel free to disagree with me here, Chris, because this is mm. probably going to be quite a biased kind of <laughs> biased definition. But generally speaking, you'll get street markets that are in town centres mm. and they'll sell all sorts. Um, um, I'm sure that everyone in the world knows the, the phenomenon of pound shops. And basically street markets used to kind of are when you can find them. They are basically just outdoor pound shops and they sell quite specialist stuff. Mm. Um I should say niche stuff that is unmistakably just market produce. So we're talking like cigarette lighters, slippers, um, genuinely <laughs> really, really random, random stuff. And then you have farmer's markets, which kind of like burst onto the scene, maybe in the early 2000s. Yeah. And when we started going to farmer's markets around 2009, it was a really sort of, um, I suppose we'd missed the heyday because everything does have its heyday. There's always cycles. And we talked to the older farmers, the older producers, and they would explain and they'd show me pictures of how it used to be. And when I say how it used to be, I'm talking 2002, 2003. And for example, I don't know how many of you guys listening to this will know Birmingham, but in the middle of Birmingham, there's a there's a pedestrianised area, New Street, and the buildings rise up sort of six storeys on every side. It's very dark, very urban. And for about four years, it contained one of the best farmers markets going. There'd be about 40 stalls back to back, and the queues would be absolutely phenomenal. 
And, you know, these old farmers who really were struggling to make a living selling their produce directly, you know, to shops, they would be amazed because they would, you know, take their artisan cheese, meat or veg to a farmer's market and they would sell big four figures in a single day. Mm. Big four figures. And for farmers, that was like a, it's like a shot of adrenaline because, you know, as we've often said on this podcast, it's very, very hard really trying to make ends meet. Mm. And so by the time I emerged onto the farmer's market scene, it was already perhaps over its heyday slightly. But you still had the ethos behind it. What's that ethos? Well, for a farmer's market, the idea is, is that it is either primary produce, which is grown or reared by essentially the people selling it. So for example, like meat that's been reared on the farm, sold by the farmer who produced it, um, veg, for example, or you have secondary produce. And that's where things get a little bit more interesting because it's say chutneys, mm. honey, that's been produced using local ingredients. So that was how it started. It was either primary producers or secondary producers. And over the time that we did it, actually, because of market conditions, I guess, the number of primary producers actually dropped off a little bit. And that's partly generational change. That's partly because the older generation started to retire and they weren't being replaced by the younger generation. I think there was some resistance perhaps from the older generation as well that, you know, they, there was a degree of resentment seeing the younger generation come through. And, and that's true of every sector, I guess. Yeah. So the primary producers declined. But one of the things I really wanted to touch on today is that actually the primary producers were really, really important to farmers markets and where they still exist, they are really, really important to farmers markets. There's a story that I just wanted to share with anybody um, listening to this podcast. It's one that really stands stands out for me. That I was at New Street Farmers Market in around 2013. And uh, if you can imagine the guy next to me, he's got all his meat sort of laid out on ice on the stool. You know, really sort of lovely cuts of meat, expensive cuts of meat. And a guy comes walking down the street and he says to him, oh, mate. He says, you're going to be in trouble in a minute. There's a huge vegan protest coming down the road. <laughs> and um, if you can imagine, this, uh, this, this big march came down the road, kind of student activists. Mm. And this, this young girl, maybe she's 19, 20, she's got a huge bucket of red paint and she comes up to him and she says, why should I not chuck this bucket of you know because it's soaked in blood you know it's and the farmer was a very quiet guy very gentle guy softly spoken guy and he came around to the front of the stall and what followed was genuinely amazing and i think you know whoever's listening to this whether you're vegan whether you're a meat eater i think you can relate to this he spoke to this girl so gently so politely and he said look he said you know he said, if you want to do that, he said, that's absolutely fine. You know, he said, I, I, I like that you feel passionately about animal welfare. 
He said, but so do I. And he said, I want to show you something. And he got his phone out and he showed a video of him nursing this calf through the night. And he said, this young calf, you know, he said, I knew it wasn't going to make it through the night, but I wanted to stay with it. And he said, you know, the, the, these animals, they're not just numbers on a spreadsheet to me. He said, I knew that this calf wasn't going to make it through the night. I'm almost emotional telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, I knew this calf wasn't going to make it through the night, and but I sat with it, trying to feed it where I could. You know, he said, if this was a business, he said, to be honest with you, you know, he said, I'd have just left it to it. And I was listening to the conversation between the farmer and this, this vegan activist. And it was in that moment I realized how important farmers markets are. Cause I think we lead, lead quite increasingly polarized, polarized lives. And it actually yeah. it makes people interact. It's easy to demonize people, isn't it? And it actually forced those two people to come together in that moment. Yeah, it's really powerful, really, really powerful. And it's really hard to, as a, as a trader, as that farmer, portray that message um, with anything other than social media. But the face-to-face the -face nature of a, a market has allowed him to really touch that person or spread that story in such a more powerful way um, and directly. And that's where the primary traders come in. And I think that, that kind of neat, that brings us quite neatly round, doesn't it? So I think, you know, before we started recording, we said really we'd love to talk about the three aspects to this. The, you know, the idea of attending a farmer's market as a consumer, trading at a farmer's market. And then maybe perhaps if you're looking to organize your own farmer's market. Mm. Um, do you have a favorite stall when you visit a, when you visited a farmer's market? Do you have the, the stall that you naturally aim for? Is, be honest, is it the veg store to compare their product to yours? <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I suppose, but I'm always like at, at a distance. I don't want to like take retail, like take customer spaces when I'm clearly not going to buy any of it. I'll be honest, it's cheese. <laughs> the cheese, oh, mate. I'm first there. Yeah, I like a nice cheese store. Mm. Go on, we, we will talk about farmers markets, but what's your favorite cheese? Oh God, I could go on for hours. There's a, a wonderful producer uh, down in East Sussex produces um, just a blue cheese, Pevensey Blue, and it is absolutely stunning. That with a nice look, glass of port. Oh, in fact, I, I'm saying it as if I'm going to eat a small cube on one glass of port. I could probably do a block and a bottle. But <laughs> <laughs> What a picture you've just painted there, Chris. <laughs> I... It's really interesting because I struggle sometimes to put myself into the consumer's role because I've spent so many years on the other side of the table. Mm. But I always think that the people who actually support farmers markets and actually visit each week, they're actually almost becoming part of like a community type thing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we've ever spoke about this um, when we're not recording a podcast, but... <laughs> For years and years, we actually did a farmer's market that was based at the the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in okay. Birmingham. Yeah. And it was a very weird, weird location because it was outside the main entrance to the hospital. And the visitors to that farmer's market used to change pretty much every week based on, you know, who was having appointments. But the real backbone of people who attended the farmer's market were actually the staff. 
Um, what I used to find is that the staff used to really, really appreciate the uh, presence of the farmer's market outside the main entrance. Mm. And the feedback was actually quite um, quite powerful because at that time, bear in mind when we first started doing this market, it was around 2012 and the Queen Elizabeth Hospital was having a lot of military casualties coming back from Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And, you know, some of the, especially the military guys, um, you know, who did who were dealing with some really quite quite serious stuff. You know, they said how actually the, the farmers market provided a community center. You know, a sort of almost like a third space. So it's not at home, it's not work, but it's a a communal space where they could actually congregate and just talk to each other and eat cake, basically. Um, <laughs> and so, actually, farmers markets do play a really, really important role, um, you know, as a community centre from a sort of, from the punter's point of view, I guess. Yeah, um, go, going back a long time ago, we had uh, Lawrence from Soul Farm on the podcast who had just started a market and he was saying it had a real sort of vibe of being the new church, if that makes sense. Wow. Like people would actually come yeah. and spend time and meet other families and chat. And and the, there's there's a fantastic market called Florence Road Market in Brighton that hands out blankets when it's cold, gives like has benches across the whole middle of the street and then the stores are on yep. either side. And you sit down and you wrap a blanket around, you grab a a, a bacon sandwich or a, or a hot chocolate and a pan of chocolate from one trader and do a bit of your shopping, sit down, chat, meet some people. It's just got a really amazing feel um and it and it's funny because many people when you sort of explain that it's like oh yeah that's what it's like in france and it's like yeah well that's what it was like in england and hopefully we're going back to that yeah 100 percent. the community aspect is so important i mean it's interesting because i think we're almost we're moving into i can't stop myself from moving into the, the trader's perspective mm. but what i really like you know um, I love what Lawrence said about it being the new church because mm. that's kind of how I feel about it. That anybody that's actually traded at a farmer's market will understand what I'm about to say, that there is a rhythm to the day. Mm. So for me, when I picture a farmer's market, I always picture a beautiful, crisp March day. Um, blue sky. It doesn't get light till about quarter past seven, 20 past seven. And you start off the day wearing thermal underwear, maybe some tracksuit <laughs> bottoms over the top of your jeans just to keep you warm. Yeah. Woolly hat, definitely. And, you know, you set your stall up, you park up, and, you know, you shuffle around and you talk to the other traders. Mm. And then you get the early birds, you get the really hardcore kind of market people come around for the bacon yeah. sandwich and a coffee. And <laughs> But you realise very quickly that by about 10 o'clock you've taken off a few layers and you've got your sunglasses on the back of your head. Mm. And I just find it magical. I mean, I am somebody that wakes up early in the morning. So, you know, I, I just think there's something magical about getting set up in the town centre before people wake up. Yeah. And watching the day dawn, watching people wake up. Um, it was really interesting because we um, there's a market in Birmingham, Mosley Farmers Market which um, it's a very, very successful mar farmer's market. It's one of the 
um, the winners of Farmer's Market the year multiple times. And what is brilliant about that market is that if you get set up there at 5 or 6 a.m., you actually see everybody on the way back from a night out. <laughs> so they're the true early birds, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yes, they have bought herb plants on the way back from a night out. It has <laughs> happened. Um, and then you get, you know, perhaps the older, um, maybe I'm stereotyping, but you know, it tends to be slightly older or people who don't have young families come out, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning for breakfast. Mm. We are absolutely delighted to tell you that the Food Grower podcast team have now launched the brilliant Food Grower Academy. We genuinely believe that growing your own food just got easier. Food Grower Academy is a complete set of resources for food growers of any size, from those that want to grow for them and their family, for local allotments or communities looking to feed themselves, to food growing businesses or small farms that want to feed the local area. It is a membership that provides in-depth, practical training and resources on all aspects of food growing plus the community support you need to achieve your food growing goals. Have a look at what the membership includes, find out whether it's for you and join us over at academy.foodgrower.co.uk. That's academy.foodgrower.co.uk. We are delighted to have partnered on the Food Grower podcast with React Tools. React Tools are the number one place for market gardening and growers tools in the UK. We have seen tools like the Jang Cedar, Paperpot Transplanter and the Iconoclast Tilter across the world and been envious of growers with access to them. Well now you can get your hands on all of these and much more. All shipped free from the UK on any order over £100. Make your food growing easier and more efficient with the best market gardening tools on the market. Plus with the partnership with us, the Food Grower Academy, we're now giving 5% of all purchases back as tools to new community or not-for-profit growing projects. Head over now to reagtools.co.uk. That's R-E-A-G tools.co.uk. Chris, tell me, you know, when you did farmer's markets, what was your impressions of your neighbours at the market? Did you get on with them? It was a little bit of what you touched on there. We were the new kids on the block. We brought an iPad with a video and... Yeah, it didn't go down as well as I'd hoped. I thought we that, that <laughs> yeah, it's different. Like it, another market, it went down really well and everyone was really lovely. And then one that really repeats in me, it's like everyone was sort of like trying to push their produce to the front of their tables because they were worried that our sort of new approach would affect their trade. Um, so yeah, it was a bit, a bit of a mixed bag, really. Because... I can't quite work out sometimes whether or not it's actually it's just within this industry that you have mm. this phenomenon. But I remember it's quite profound actually that there was an older farmer. Um, we used to do a, a market, I should say, in Stratford upon Avon. Which um, Chris, do you know Stratford upon Avon at all? Uh, sort of a little bit. Anybody that does will know that there was a market, Rother Street, next to the American Fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the archetypal kind of cobblestone, mm-hmm. traditional farmer's market, you know. Yeah. Um, American tourists would, you know, would get off the coach just to take pictures in the market because it was so, so lovely. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I remember, you know, the, the, the huge, big, you know, argument in 2013 
the, a new market operator took over and decided to revolutionize the market by closing it at 3 p.m. rather than 2 p.m. <laughs> and the drama that that caused, it was unbelievable. But, you know, that's how farmers markets are. That's that's the world. And I remember this older farmer, he came down and spoke to, to me and Kate. And there was a young guy kind of next to us doing gourmet Dexter beef burgers. Mm, nice. And he turned around to us and he said, you know something? He said, really? He said, those older, older guys. He said, we should be paying for you, your stalls, really. He said, because, you know, he said, we, we, we've got a few quid now. You know, we're sort of approaching retirement and we've got regular customers and farm shops. But he said, there isn't going to be a market if we don't really keep you guys coming in. Yeah. And I thought that's really, really profound. Yeah, massively. This is turning into quite a nostalgic podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if we were going to look forward slightly, mm. and if we were, let's say that somebody, um, in a more sort of, you know, less nostalgic and more practical way, if somebody is listening to this right now and thinking, I really fancy having a go at a farmer's market. Yeah. What would you say are the reasons why they should? I mean, it's it's a really powerful place to get direct feedback on what you're doing. So I would say if this is a new yeah. venture or a venture that you're exploring, a new product, a new veg vegetable that you want to grow, or you want to trial living microgreens, something something new, then there is no better place to get direct feedback from people who are genuinely likely to be customers. People yeah. that go to farmers markets go to really because they're passionate about food. They're not quickly getting a delivery shop from uh, from online from a supermarket. They're going to pick out the best produce. They're likely buying for one or two meals at a push um, and then going home and, and sort of creating something nice from it. So you can get really good feedback. You can really work on um, not only just getting feedback, but presenting it in a way that is appealing to the eye, which will help you massively yeah. in the future in terms of create, creating marketing. Um, and you, yeah, genuinely can talk to people. And and the thing is, if you, you do, like we were saying earlier, people say, where were you last week? Or some people come back and go, oh, those carrots were incredible. I did this with them. And it's like, now I work in the world of marketing alongside with the with the market gardening stuff we crave that kind of loop of interaction so much so yeah. that we're like putting the product out and then we're sending an email to be like how was it oh could you uh tell me how it was on this feedback site we're like craving that loop yeah. and the farmer's market gives you that in <laughs> irl in real life and in real time so it's it's really invaluable and it fundamentally teaches you how to sell doesn't it Mm, because yeah. I always think that you're right that people do come to a farmer's market to um, because they're you know I guess they're you know you're in with a chance, but maybe people haven't come to the farmer's market to buy your veg, you know yes. maybe they've got somebody else that they always buy from or mm. actually let's be honest maybe they're just not into veg they're just here to buy Dexter beef burgers, and and who can blame them? But the thing is is you trying to convert that interest or even just footfall into a sale. Mm. I think it actually teaches you some very, very pure skills. So 
I mean, on a really personal level, like my confidence went through the roof yeah. after doing farmer's market. Because, you know, if you're trying to sell to somebody who really, really isn't interested. And also, I should say, you know, it's not a scam thing. You know, you're not trying to sell kind of a dodgy product. You know, you're, you're trying to sell it because you love your product, right? Yeah. So, you know, if I'm saying to somebody, you know, look, I've got some lemon curd thyme here. It smells amazing. And the person saying, you know, no, I haven't got a garden, mate. I'm not interested. No, no, but you can grow it on your windowsill. I promise you, it's going to make you smile for literally months. No, I'm, I'm just, I don't like plants, mate. But this isn't a plant. This is a food product, honestly. And I'm not, you know, I, I really tried not to be pushy because, you know, I hate that when I'm buying stuff. Mm -hmm. But equally, I'm balancing that. And I'm kind of going, no, 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 no. This is really cool. You're going to love this. Seriously. So I think it teaches you those very pure marketing skills. I mean, I suppose the other thing that's just come to me is that, you know, a few, well, it's quite a few months ago now, we did a really, really, I think, quite emotional podcast where we talked about mental health, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that actually came out of that really powerfully was that both you, Jack, and myself we all said that actually mental health is a huge thing, you know, for people running their own small food businesses that mm -hmm. especially if you're into growing, because, you know, it can be quite a solitary pursuit, can't it? Yes. Actually, it gets you out, doesn't it? Once a week, it gets you out, forces <laughs> you to talk to people in a town centre. Um, so maybe that's a selling point that it, it gets you out of the house. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and the, the you get to know other traders, other growers, especially in the sort of growing space that we're talking about. Everyone's quite helpful. Um, and the other thing is that you will, if you are looking to move into new markets, it's actually an amazing marketing tool. So a lot of chefs, if it's a renowned market, a farmer's market, chefs will go to try and find good produce. And then you might end up doing a deal outside of the market to produce, to, to supply them. Um, and similarly for if a, a, you're looking to sell surplus at a farmer's market, but you have a veg box scheme, which is why we started attending them. People go and buy a bit of salad and some carrots and maybe a Swede or something like that. And then they come back next week and do the same. And then they buy something else. And then they yeah. read your banner. Like third time they read your banner, your, your A-frame or whatever you've got there and realize that they could have a box of all this delicious veg delivered every week. And that's where we saw huge value, not just with sort of marketing or product development or even just getting out of the house, but financially, because then their lifetime value of that customer made the market well worthwhile. Yeah, 100%, Chris. And I think it's so important to build that relationship because we are talking about relationships, aren't we? Yes, uh, absolutely. Actually, and again, you know, I said maybe this is becoming a bit nostalgic, but actually, you know, looking forward you know in a post covid post lockdown world doesn't it feel so special actually to get outside and actually talk to people <laughs> to make real connections you know well um, i think it's it it's, says it's a like, lot that they're still around because they could yeah so many of them could have folded during the lockdowns that we had so what are we saying if 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 somebody is listening to this conversely and saying i would love to set up a farmer's market to set up a community centre. Mm. What are the archetypal stalls that you've got to have at a farmer's market? <laughs> oh, 
Well, we've already named uh, cheese. Cheese has got to be there. <laughs> um, should, we let have, me say- should we have two, two cheese sellers? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can have, some, we can have soft cheeses and <laughs> soft cheese and hard let's cheese. move away. Let's move away from cheese, right? <laughs> Well, there's a there was a local market to us, and I never managed to um, get involved. I always wanted to get involved and make it more of what we were talking about earlier. And the the one I mentioned, Florence Road, made a big thing of making it community driven. So they actually put on an acoustic act or a busking stage every week at the market. They had, and it didn't cost much, a box of about ten IKEA throws in case people were cold little things like that really makes a market come to life so if you're starting a market you can visit a few and see the stores that that you know that you're probably going to want um but i think it's those little extra touches that add the community and therefore make it a relationship based farmers market rather than a transactional relationship if that makes sense you're really trying to pull away from competing with supermarkets you're trying to create something that's more than just the i've picked up carrots i've scanned them on the self-service till and i've paid and i've left that is where the magic comes alive i think but what's really really interesting as well is the relationship that these farmers markets have with you know for example things like budget supermarkets because this is a really really random story chris but Mm. Um, you'll be unsurprised to know, but the um, there was actually a, I think it was an Aldi, mm-hmm. I forget where it was, somewhere in Wales, and the manager of the Aldi actually encouraged the farmers market to develop in the car park because yeah. he recognised that actually you know the farmers market is unlikely to sell their best selling lines, you know things like bulk bags of pasta or breakfast cereal, mm. but actually. You know, somebody might want to go and buy a huge bag of rice and then pop outside and buy a really nice artisan curry sauce to go with it. Mm. And actually, the story goes, I don't know how hypocritical um, this is, mm-hmm. but apparently, you know, they arranged the farmer's market to be on the statistically busy busiest couple of hours in the Aldi's trading week. Mm-hmm. And both Aldi and the farmer's market did really really well out of it so again i guess the manager of that aldi store was clever enough to realize that you know having that community center actually enhances everybody yes very much so it's a powerful really powerful um and if you were because you've got a lot of experience in doing these so if someone's there with um an existing market garden or a horticultural business what are your sort of top tips for setting up that stall because i can guarantee there's people listening to this now thinking about that yeah and it's a it's a really good question chris i think the first thing is not to obsess about you know perfection mm. don't allow um perfection to be a barrier to existence Oh, that's deep, isn't it? That was, um, yeah. Another T-shirt coming up. <laughs> yeah. Join us every week, folks, for a little bit of growing and philosophy. Um, I think you need to you need to just try it. Mm. I think you need to uh, get onto a farmer's market with an idea, with something that's different to what's already there. Yeah. And then I think you need to try it. And... I think you've got to strike a balance because I saw it so often that people would, you know, really, really invest strongly and they'd get beautiful banners 
and decorations printed, you know, and before they'd even, you know, attended a farmer's market, they've got banners printed, they've got tablecloths, they've got custom signage, and there's probably about £400 worth of expenditure there before you've even paid your rent. And that's very, very easy to do. And I would say, you know, don't do that. Just start mm-hmm. off really slowly, you know, let the product speak for itself mm-hmm. and see how it feels, see how it feels, see how comfortable you are selling because, you know, and this is the reality of it. Not everyone is a good salesperson instantly. Yeah. Um, I think if I was you, if I could go back and I could talk to myself in 2010, I wouldn't stand behind the stool. I'd stand either at the front of the stool or to the side of the stool. Yeah. Um, Because if you stand behind the stool, that's, you know, a very, what you call adversarial commerce. Mm-hmm. It's you against me. We're divided by the table. Yeah. And that's actually not why you're there. You're there to, to share. You're there to chat. You're there to, to share this lovely product that you've got. So, you know, talk to people as though they're your friends, not as if they're just p- potential targets, you know? I think once you've got your very, very basic kind of setup sorted, I think try and get yourself into a Zen kind of mindset where, you know, you don't overreact to things. Um, you know, having spent a lot of time on farmers markets, it's actually really, really important to not get too invested in the drama of the day. <laughs> so, um, because that's what happens, you know, when you're on a farmer's market, there are long periods without any sales. Mm. Um, that's just the reality of it. If you're in a busy town center, you have to get set up early and then you wait for people to wake up. Yeah. In that time, uh, you can talk to the regular traders, but you know, just be aware that they're going to have stuff going on in their days and maybe they're going to be a bit hyped up about something. So don't let them sort of get in your head. Mm. Don't let, you know, don't, don't get, allow yourself to be dragged down by the talk of, you know, oh, it's going to be bad today. There's roadworks or there's weather coming or there's, you know, whatever. Just do your own thing. Um, You know, by all means, you know, talk to your neighbours, try and get on with your neighbours. Because if you talk to each other, actually, the day's going to go quicker and you guys are going to look like you're having a better time. Yeah. And that's good for sales as well. But on a really personal level, I learned so much from standing next to people on these markets. So many people on farmers markets are really, really cool foodie people. Mm. And, you know, the traders, that is. And I learned so much that, you know, somebody doing Thai street food would say, wow, that Vietnamese coriander is great in a curry, or you could put the hot and spicy oregano with rice, things Mm. that I've never really thought of. Now, from a business point of view, you can actually learn a lot from your neighbors. And that's something that I did not realize that I was doing. Mm. But if you actually watch how more experienced traders operate and how they conduct themselves and how they communicate with people, you're going to learn very, very quickly that you can do that. Um, Everyone's got their own sort of selling style. And it's something that I repeat quite often that really, you know, don't try and be somebody else because you'll always come second. You'll be a poor imitation, right? Yeah. My my mom actually works with Urban Herbs and she is the quietest, most shy person, not, not shy, but 
very introverted person. Mm. And yet she is a fantastic salesperson on farmers markets because, you know, and big shows and what have you, because she loves the herbs. Yeah. You know, she loves what she's selling. She genuinely does. And she's honest to the point of it being painful sometimes <laughs> because, you know, she will say the herbs that she likes and the herbs that she doesn't. She will say the herbs that she's tried growing and the ones that she doesn't think actually grow very well. And because she, you know, she once said to me that actually when she approaches a market store, she hates the idea of being pounced on. So that's the way that, you know, she looks at it from that perspective, that she looks at it from the point of view of somebody that actually is a bit introverted. And, you know, she recognizes that fellow person that actually isn't there to have a load of banter. Mm. And she connects with that person. So I guess the moral of the story is my mom, you know, she sells really genuinely as herself. The, I guess the final bit of advice that I would offer, and this is really, really hard. And actually, again, we're, we're in danger of going a little bit deep here. <laughs> but if you are going to do a farmer's market, it's, it's probably going to be on a Saturday and Sunday. Mm. And, you know, maybe your partner or your family, you know, they're going to have plans like normal people on a weekend. And to be brutally honest, if you're going to do a lot of farmer's markets, it means that you can't do stuff on a Friday night because you need to be up early on a Saturday. You can't do stuff during the Saturday. You can't do stuff on the Sunday. Yeah. So just just think about that a little bit. Just, you know, think about the impact it might have um, on your social life. I mean, I didn't, I never had a social yeah. life, so it was no loss to me. <laughs> uh, but I think you need to think about that. And the second thing, I guess, is quite, again, it's quite personal. But if you go to a farmer's market, and as you say, Chris, there's, there's very rarely a middle-of-the-road day. It's either terrible or it's amazing. Mm. I think leave whatever happens at the market at the market. Yeah. Because I've had it on so many occasions that I've done a really successful event and I've talked to 1,000, 2,000 people in a day and I'm absolutely buzzing. And you come home and actually the person that you're coming home to maybe has just had a really quiet day where they've just gone through and they've done life admin and, you know, they've put the washing out and that's it. <laughs> or maybe they've had a lovely day and they've been, they've met up with friends and eaten cake and you've just got soaked and you've essentially paid somebody 40 pounds for the privilege of standing in the rain all day. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, those two things clash. And so my, my sort of bit of personal advice would be, you know, leave what happens at the market at the market. Mm. Brilliant bits of what advice. About, Absolutely brilliant. What about you, Chris? What about you? From your your um your forays into farmers market world, what advice would you give? Yeah, I mean, mine's obviously specifically for veg growing businesses, but I did discover that there is a visual element to what you do there. Um as much as there is just having good quality produce. And so a couple of things made a big difference for us was to make sure the table was full um, or the stand or whatever. I mean, there was sort of, you would see drastic declines in sales when your table started to get a bit empty. Um, 
and so yeah the whole the whole it's sort of cliche but the stack it high watch it fly model sort of does work but the other side to that is that when we do our veg boxes our customers are very clear that there'll be some soil on them and there'll be a bit of dirt because that's how it is that's how it comes often things with a bit of soil on the roots stay fresher However, with farmers markets, there is that visual element and they are seeing it before they've been sold it. So you do have to prepare things a little bit differently. Um, and so yes. having nice, vibrant bunches, carrots nicely cleaned up, those sorts of things are really important. And the other thing as well is that you might be there for a long time. And so carrots with the tops on, the tops do absorb a lot of the water out. So it might be that you have to stack half your stuff up and have some ice packs or whatever underneath um, or some big bags, sort of ice bags with half your produce underneath staying fresh and rotate it a bit because it's got to look fresh it's got to look vibrant and then it look, has to look like there's lots of it um that's been our our sort of experience of it anyway yeah the stall maintenance that's actually really interesting because um i suppose you know it's the same with plants that actually you know obviously they look nice and fresh at nine o'clock in the morning but if you're trading during the summer it's the same as those carrots, isn't it? They, they might look a yeah. bit sad by three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, do you know one of my most awful memories from, from farmer's markets of all time? I think it was February 2011, something like that. Mm. And we'd got these beautiful artisan kind of like wooden trays. Yes. And um, we'd, we'd, we'd arrange the herb pots in these trays. And it was, it was, we'd put them in the van the night before. And bear in mind, they're all hardy herbs. They, they don't mind the cold. We'd put them in the van the night before, wheeled them out on the farmer's market. You know, and then about half past seven, this lovely guy comes along and he says, Oh, can I have one of those purple sage, please? And I went to take it and I realized it frozen solid to the wooden tray. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I had to make polite conversation while using one of my artisan handwritten labels to basically chisel the plant off the wooden tray and he was very nice about the whole thing actually he said oh he said doesn't the frost look nice on all the foliage and i said yeah absolutely but um yeah i wonder if if that guy will, will ever listen to this podcast but never <laughs> ever realized what a moment he was part of yeah <laughs> maybe actually maybe that's another serious bit of advice if you're listening to this in the uk and you're planning to do farmers markets during the winter wrap up warm yeah, thermals because, are your friends. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the markets that we did in the early days, I remember when we got there in the morning and it, it said minus seven mm. on the van thermometer. And, yeah. you know, we stood there all day and uh, we packed up around two o'clock. And when we were packing up, I'm putting the trolleys back in the van and I, I'd actually took my jumper off and it was so warm. Mm -hmm. And I got back in the van and it said minus two. <laughs> and you know that's you know it can actually mess with your brain a little bit um so many times i've come home and just haven't been able to warm up so definitely wear thermals and also take something to stand on because the floor actually transmits the cold mm. um, stone floor will transmit the cold into you but yeah i think i think the bottom line is we love farmers markets and you should do <laughs> one but wrap up warm yeah keep your stool stocked high um, get on, get on with your neighbours, mm -hmm. and eat loads of cheese. Yeah, I mean, if you take nothing else away, 
<laughs> eat loads of cheese what a great way to end uh andy it's been a pleasure to talk about farmers markets with you today and i've, I've learned a lot just from your stories and experience so thank you for that mate yeah you too chris it's always a pleasure and um guys actually if you've enjoyed this go on to instagram now and uh, drop us a comment you know do you like going to farmers market uh, what's your favorite farmers market are you going to a farmers market this weekend do you like cheese let us know <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, Chris. Speak to you soon. This podcast is brought to you free by the Food Grower Academy. If you want to make your food growing easier, head over to academy.foodgrower.co.uk.